Welcome to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon, where our mission is bringing the good news and demonstrating the kingdom. Join us live for Worship in the Word, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on our YouTube channel. We hope you are encouraged and equipped by this week's word with our senior pastor, Emily Tadro. How many of you were here last week and heard the word that Bobby released? It was a good word, wasn't it? Um, He called me later and he said, you know, I said a lot of things and I didn't get to delve into very many of them, but I just, it was like I had a fire hose and I had to use it. And so I'm unpacking. I went back, I actually watched his word a couple times just because I didn't want to miss anything. And um, I want to kind of pick through it a little bit this morning. I feel like it's important when you get, I mean, he he did some teaching, but he also spoke prophetically over the house. And I think it's important when you get a word like that, that you don't just go, that was nice. That was good. And just let it pass you by. And I feel like we can do that a lot, especially when you're in a prophetic culture. It's like, oh, that's another prophetic word, another prophetic word. And you just have these stacks of prophetic words that you know exist but you don't remember what they are. And if you don't remember what they are and you don't like pray into them and you don't lean into them, some of them will just happen, but most of them are partnership. And most of it is an invitation from the Lord. And so I wanted to um, just dig into it a little bit. Um, So, you know, this is a question that we've been just throwing out um, and, and asking a lot in this house. So if you don't know this question, memorize it. It is, it is a question. It's part of the culture of our house. When we hear God speak, we say, okay, Lord, what are you doing right now? You're speaking. I hear you. And what's the next part of the question? What is my role in it? So anytime you hear God speaking something, it's not just for someone else. It's for you. You're speaking. What are you doing right now? What is my role in it? So that is a question that I want to be in all of our minds, all of our hearts this morning as, um, as you're hearing us go through this. So easy to believe that, like, they're talking over to the person behind us. You know, it's not personal, but I'm telling you, this word is personal. It has personal application as well as corporate. And um, one of the first things that Bobby said was it's time for congruence in the body of Christ. And then he gave a definition to that. But I wanted to speak into congruence a little bit more because I actually feel like this is a very, very important word for us as believers, not just Jesus' pursuit, but you, K, this is important for you. This is important for Sam. This is important. Like, I want it to be personal. This is important for Matt right now. What is congruence? What is God wanting to do to bring congruence in my life? Well, what is congruence? It's a big word. It has multiple definitions. Defined just simply, it means agreement, alignment, harmony, compatibility, and consistency. That sounds good. Um, It's not just with one another, but it is with one another. 
to be in congruence as a people. Bobby was specifically speaking about congruence in our mindsets with the Lord. Congruence, agreement, compatibility, consistency, harmony, alignment with our mind and the mind of Christ. And that our definitions for things, words, experiences are defined and in alignment and in congruence with what God is saying, not just our own experience, not just our own feeling. But congruence in math, which who is a fan of math in here? I know Jim loves math. You either love it or you hate it. I'm in the hate it club, but have to use it on a regular basis. And it's so practical for life. But congruence is, in math is when two objects have the same size and shape, and the objects could be flipped any direction or rotated, but the shape and the size remain equal to one another. Like, think two pieces of bread out of the, you know, two pieces of white bread. You flip them over, they, you know, they can still remain congruent with one another. When a person is congruent, like within themselves, and this is really what I feel like the Lord is wanting to go after with us, and in this year, he really wants to bring congruence within us. When a person is congruent, it means that who you are, what you say, and what you do are in complete harmony. And it's more than being a hypocrite or not being a hypocrite. Okay? It's not just that you, your actions don't line up with your words. It's that your internal compass, like your understanding, your internal knowing is in agreement with the way your life flows out. How many of us are congruent on the inside? I want to be congruent. I feel like I'm becoming more and more congruent. But let's just use a, a term about, um, let's just use honor, for example, as a, a, a thing. A, honor is one of our cultures at Jesus Pursuit. And so it's an honor. Honor is a culture that not only is it a culture for JPC, it's, a, it's an honor of the kingdom. I mean, I'm sorry, it's a culture of the kingdom. Therefore, I want it to be a culture of mine. So I can have understanding about what honor is. I can believe in it. And if I'm congruent, the way that my life, like I will be wrestling with myself to step outside of honor, not the other way around. I don't have to wrestle with myself to honor. When I'm congruent, it just flows out of me because I'm in harmony. My mind, will, body, emotions, my spirit are in alignment. And so much of our life is spent living out of our flesh, soul. Then we try to get to spirit. But the spirit actually aligns all, to, all of it, spirit, soul, flesh. 
And the Lord wants to bring a congruence in us this year. He, he landed on this word for a minute, and I can't get away from it. This, this is something that needs to happen within ourselves. And as it happens within me, and it happens within you, one by one by one, we will be in congruence as a body as well. Because we're not just getting into congruence with our, both, with our best understanding of how to do life or our best help book. We're getting in congruence with the kingdom of God. We're getting in congruence with the spirit of the living God. And he's congruent. The spirit, the son, the father, face to face, perfect unity, perfect harmony, perfect compatibility. They are the same shape, the same size. The way they flow and do everything is out of congruence with one another. They are in perfect harmony, in perfect sync. There is no comp- competition. There is no striving. There is no, um, there's just nothing that is out of perfect flow. Don't you want to be in that? I do. And that's actually the invitation for us. Not not just this year. This is part of the good news. This is part of the gospel that we sang about this morning. This is is part of what Jesus came and died for, is so that we would live in congruence. This is a big thing. When we get the kingdom culture so deeply inside of us, like I said, it's not going to be just about not living like a hypocrite. It's going to be that, of course, we wouldn't live like a hypocrite. We're in congruence. It's impossible. Do you understand what I'm saying? When everything on the inside comes into agreement, with Holy Spirit, with what Jesus did for us, with the love of the Father flowing through. Everything, our mind, our will, our emotions, our actions, our very being, our everything will flow out of harmony. It's beautiful. I long for this. And you can trust yourself. You can trust the love that flows out of you. You can trust the love that flows out of other people when they're living congruence. Am I making sense? Sounds like heaven. Sounds like heaven on earth. And I, it is why forgiveness is going to be so important this year because you can't be congruent and carry unforgiveness. It's a culture that doesn't exist in the kingdom culture. This morning, as I was um, just be bopping around in here, little Olivia, Olivia Hoff, she was just talking to me, and she was probably doing something she shouldn't do. Not being naughty, but maybe not safe. 
And uh, before her mom could say, oh, I don't think we should do that, Olivia, she said, you know, I can do this, and I'll be safe because Jesus is with me. <laughs> He's on the inside of me. <laughs> um, precious. And then she said, you know, someday we're all going to die. I know. I said, I did know that. And she, she goes, but it's going to be okay because we're going to be with Jesus. Yeah. And I said, what do you think that will be like? And she said, well, there won't be sickness. I won't be afraid. There'll be no fighting. She just went down the list of all the things. So as she's jumping on the couch, unafraid of the impact, she's living in congruence because of the reality of who God is and what he did for her, where she's going. I mean, this is however old she is. What is she, five, four? She's little. But this is what we were made for. Blind trust in the one that made you. Perfect peace. And if in heaven there's total congruence, and he says, like, release heaven on earth. Whatever you bind on the earth will be bound. Whatever you release from heaven will be released. I believe we can live that now. I think that's exciting. And I want that. So our actions, our behavior will be in alignment with our values which is the kingdom of God. And for those of you that are struggling with anger and you know it does not align with your values, for those of you that are struggling with addiction and you know it doesn't align with your values, for those of you that are struggling in any way this morning and it doesn't align with the kingdom culture, this is actually what God wants to do in your life. And it's not that you have to white-knuckle it and do behavior modification. You do need to behave. Do not be angry to your family. It's not right. We want you free from addiction. But if your freedom is external only, you're not really free. You're safer, both to yourself and to others, and that's good. But we want you to be really free, and true freedom brings congruence. And so I just want to just let's, before we step outside of this, just close your eyes right now. Lord, we can't do this on our own, but you paid for this, and it actually already belongs to us. It already is mine, it is already each one of ours. So I just thank you that you are releasing that reality, mind, body, soul, spirit, in Jesus' name, into each of us. And I just speak to each of our spirits right now to come into congruence with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. In fact, just speak to your own spirit. Just say, Emily, or... Courtney or whoever you are, 
Spirit, come to the front and sync up with Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. And we just speak congruence, alignment. Spirit, soul, come underneath the protection, the leadership, the alignment that God always meant. You're safe there. You don't need to lead the way. Come underneath the leadership of Holy Spirit. And body, now you get to come underneath. Everything that's out of whack within our bodies, in our health, in our systems, come underneath the protection and the alignment of the Spirit of the living God that our bodies would be in congruence with our soul and our spirit, which is in congruence with the Holy Spirit and the Trinity, and we are one in perfect unity and perfect harmony and perfect compatibility and perfect consistency in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you that this is what you're doing in us each year, and this is something we can do each day. Thank you for leading us and helping us to be one as you are one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. He's not fractured. He's not shattered. He is one. He is whole. And he has made you one and whole in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, when things are incongruent with our understanding of God, maybe we've had bad teaching and we didn't know it. And I'm not saying my teaching is the best teaching at all, but I know a really good teacher. And he will lead us into all truth. When our understanding of who God is, what his word says, his character, his mindsets, when those things are in, they're not in alignment with the truth of who God is, his character, all the things I just said, then it's impossible for us to be congruent with God. And so we need some of those mindsets, some of those belief systems, some of those things to be reframed, renewed, metanoia, repentance. And that's something that I know that he's been doing. I'm, I feel like we've been talking about Reformation for, I don't know, 15 years at least in the church. And we thought it was all about how we do church. I mean, I remember the first Reformation conferences that we did. We really thought it was all about, like, how we did church was going to change. Well, we can do church nine million different ways, and if we are not congruent with who God is, his mindsets, his thoughts, his passion, like, if we're just going to keep changing structure that doesn't support the Spirit, um, Reformation is actually internal. It's on the inside of us. It's our hearts. It's our minds. It's our thoughts. 
And so we've seen the shift has gone just from like, I think church ought to be this way. This is what the church is doing wrong. To actually, we have had, this is what's wrong with the church. We have put our, you know, ecclesiology, the way we do church at the front. And then we've fit Jesus in to like match that. And then we do our mission out of that. But it's always meant to be Jesus first. Who is Jesus? And Bobby said this like a bunch of times last week. It's all about Jesus. We're not just doing boys and brews. We're not just doing hangouts. This is all into discipleship. This is all into like empowering one another to grow and not just to grow in the church and just like flex our muscles of all the things that we know in the church, but to actually disciple. Like if, what if you gave your life to two people for the rest of your life and just said, you are who God showed me and I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to disciple you whether you know Jesus now or not. But my intention is to love you, to do life with you, to pour into you, to give you all that I have, all that I am. I'm going to walk with you. I'm not saying two people a week, two people a month, two people a year. Let's just go two people in our lifetime that we just really poured the kingdom of God into and discipled them to Christ. Or, and then once they come to Christ, kept discipling them and encouraged them to do the same thing. That's really all we need to do. We make these big ah, things, and it's like, we know we can't do it, so we don't do anything. But if we just did just one or two people, start with one. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe just start there. But you could just live this congruent life with God with other people and show them that life. You get what I'm saying? So back to uh, the church. (laughs) It's all about Jesus. It's always been all about Jesus. Let's take... um, another meaning that we've attached an old paradigm to. Let's throw revival out there. What's the first thing you think of when you think of revival? Shout it out. Lots being saved, joy, Holy Spirit, chaos. Mm, Okay, yeah. You've been to the renewal meetings. Signs and wonders. What'd you say? Okay. Transformation. I like it. Because these are actually definitions of revival. Dead things come to life. That's literally the definition of revival. Something that was dead was revived. Now it's alive again. But so much of the church thinks about revival, and they instantly go to revival meetings. Revivalist. Meeting, 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 gathering. Like, renewal meetings, 
more Lord, come Holy Spirit. And those are all the things, that's the evidence possibly, possibly of revival. It's also the evidence of just good scheduling, good marketing, great worship teams, having fun, gathering people. You know, it's good to be in the presence of the Lord, but just having a meeting in and of itself can't be the evidence of revival. I know you guys know this. But if our understanding of revival and our paradigm of revival is attached to a Pentecostal experience, because I think that's what we've done so much in church, especially in our circle. We have relegated revival to a Pentecostal experience. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, yes. But what if he's not pouring out like the book of Acts? Can you be in revival? Yes. I want to tell you, yes. Because revival is not a Pentecostal experience. Revival is dead things coming to life. And the Holy Spirit has never stopped pouring out since Acts 2. The new wine has never stopped pouring out. It's, you can re- experience it right now. Holy Spirit is here in this room right now, dumping his presence on you. It has not stopped when Jesus blew his breath upon them. It has not stopped. That makes me feel him right now. But it has not stopped. But revival is not a Pentecostal experience. And our paradigm needs to shift into what is, what is revival, what is congruent with God's definition It's not just the upper room experience. It's what happened as a result of the upper room experience. The upper room was not revival. It was an encounter. It was a catalytic moment. So if we want to start calling revival meetings, you know, and they're relegated to that, let's call them catalytic moments because they are. I'll never forget the day I had my catalytic moment and I experienced the Holy Spirit for the first time. But I can tell you what, he has never stopped pouring out since that day. My awareness, my attention, my congruence has changed at times. But he has never changed. What changed all of humanity wasn't just the upper room. It was them coming out of the upper room. It was them putting one foot in front of the other on the other side of the other upper room. It was the boldness that filled them from the upper room experience. They, they did have a catalytic moment, and they used it. They partnered with it, and they stepped outside of the upper room, and they preached the word, and they did the signs and wonders, and they kept going, and they kept going, and they kept going, and they didn't stop, and there was many added to the church that day, and then they went to another town, and they went to another place, and they did not stop. Because they were revived and they were living in revival. And it's never stopped. And we actually need to get in congruence with that reality. Do you understand? I I know you do. It's so much more than we have made it. Revival is all the things that you said. 
It's the boldness. It's, it's all of that. But the evidence of revival is not just the churchy things. Revival changes families. Revival changes cities. Revival makes dead things come to life. Not just better at going to church. Not just makes you better tithers. It does do all those things. But that's like, that's just the church stuff. It's meant to affect every part of our lives. It makes us better givers, bigger givers, not just with money, but with our time and our attention. It makes us love our children more. It makes us love our spouses more. It makes us better employees. It makes us better neighbors. It changes everything about us because we become congruent with the spirit of the living God. And if we don't come into this, I'm just going to say congruence all day. If we don't come into this congruence, we will still go after the same things. Meetings. Changing the way we do things, hoping for a change. Like, we didn't put the worship team on the floor because we thought that's really going to grow the church. We did it out of obedience to the Lord. And I think it served its purpose. Part of it was to get our mindsets in congruence with what we're doing here. We're all in this together. We're having a worship experience. It's not a stage and a show. But this didn't bring revival. It didn't really do anything except for get us connected very well as a band. It helps band connection. It gets us off of this, the stage, the performance thing. But that is not going to bring transformation. That's just a thing that we did. I saw a video the other day, and they were talking about transformation in, like, you know, the worship music industry, which is so weird to even say the worship music industry. But the worship music industry needs, you know, an awakening. It needs, a, it needs a shift. It needs to come back to what it was always meant to be. And they were talking about how they're going to do this. And they were saying, we're going to lower the stage. We're going to do all these things. I'm like, y'all, this is not how you bring transformation. And I get it because I've thought some of the same things. Like, if we turn the chairs in a circle, then we're all going to be connected. Those are not the things that bring transformation. Our hearts being awakened, our hearts being transformed, our minds being renewed. Those internal shifts are the things that bring the transformation that we're looking for. If anything, doing things like this bring frustration. And then we have to learn to forgive. It's a teaching moment. If anything, it's a teaching moment. But it's not doing anything to bring transformation to the city. Not one person in the city was changed by this cutting-edge decision. Do you understand what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with doing this. So don't hear me say that there's anything wrong with that. But this is like, this isn't it. 
Obedience, being one with the Lord in every space and place in our life. And, you know, Bobby asked a question, what paradigms do we need to attach new meanings to? And that's a great question. Let's just say all of them. I think if we, I think it's a great question and we have to ask the question, but let's take it farther. Like, is there any paradigm that doesn't need to have the Lord just like put his searchlight on it? Are there some that are off, you know, that we have totally nailed it, got it really figured out? I want the Lord to look at every aspect of my life being thoughts. Everything is on the table, Lord. Everything is on the table. You say, well, not salvation. Yeah, I'm going to throw salvation on the table. I want to have a greater revelation of what salvation is. I don't want to be limited in my thinking about salvation even. Like nothing is off the table. Don't be scared of it. You can trust the Holy Spirit. You can trust the Father. You can trust the Son to lead you into congruence in every space. I want to have my mind blown and my experience of who God is just so much more than what I'm experiencing right now. I'm telling you, it is. We're just like scratching the surface. Even in salvation, what the blood of Jesus has done for us, every paradigm, every revelation in this book that I adore, every word, I want to just throw it on the table for the Holy Spirit to re-reveal himself to me. I'm not scared. I'm not scared of the Holy Spirit. I'm scared if I don't let him have every part of my mind, will, emotions. Don't be afraid of his searchlight. This is the year seven. It looks like a sword. It looks like a plow. It looks like pruning. It looks like new pathways. And there's grace, five, five, seven, eight, new beginnings, new, 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 four, the door. You know, if we don't get understanding or revelation of these things, we won't have the courage to walk through some of the doors that he's opening for us. We need courage in this hour. We need courage to do the wild thing. We need courage to do the weird thing. Not for the sake of weirdness, but we don't care what they say. And our courage can't come, he's talked about, he briefly talked about the second heaven and the third heaven. And I think that's important. Did you know that's a biblical conversation? You know, like, where do they get that first, second, and third heaven? That's actually in the Bible. Um, multiple times, but Paul specifically in 2 Corinthians um, 12, he describes this encounter that he has in the third heaven realm. 
And what are these different places? The third heaven realm is that same realm that we talked about a couple weeks ago out of Revelations 4.1. Come up here where God is. This is, it's not just like going up, like going, like if we could take a plane or a rocket ship. It's not just that. But it, it's confusing, I think, a little bit because, you know, first heaven is where we are. It's this. And then second heaven is this, you know, the celestial, the sun, moon, stars, all of that kind of stuff. But the third heaven is also, it's right here. It's, it's all around. It's the presence of God. It's the realm of the kingdom of God. It's the realm of heaven. It's the realm of the presence. And that's where we want to get our understanding, not from someone's opinion, not from my opinion. Take everything I say today and test it. Take everything I say today to the Holy Spirit and say, is she nuts? What are you saying, Lord? I mean, do, please do. But we need to get revelation from the Word of God and from His presence. He talked about Psalms 24 in 2024. And we're going to finish with that. Do you want to put, um, why don't you put Psalms 24 up in the New King James? But this, this whole thing he talked about, this is an invitation to an ascended life. This is an invitation to an ascended lifestyle. And it starts first out of this congruence of this understanding that the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Who is that? Say me. Me. That's me. I am those who dwell therein. In fact, you can look at your neighbor and say, you are those who dwell therein. Okay, keep going. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Okay, we're going to stop right there. This is an invitation to an ascended lifestyle. This scripture right here, this whole thing of coming up. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? I loved it when Bobby said, you know, I, actually I didn't know this, that who in the Hebrew, and I went and looked it up, this is the things that you should do when somebody rattles these things off. Fact check. So fact check it. But who in Hebrew is said me, M-I? And I love that. In the question is the answer. Who may ascend? Me. That's not what it means in there, but... That's our English language. Um, but then he gives the answer. Who may ascend? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. So how many of you have ever received an invitation before? From the Lord or from your friend? There's an invitation. It goes out. Many times there is something called an RSVP. If you have good etiquette, you do the RSVP by the requested date. 
So that's one thing that you have to do to partner, whether you decide to accept the invitation or you decline it, is you respond, right? There's a response. And typically, if you don't respond, your answer is no. They say it's rude to show up to a wedding that you haven't RSVP'd for when they're like doing a dinner and you are requested to RSVP. But sometimes you still show up. Um, but my point in this is when you have an invitation, the bare minimum is a response. I've gotten many invitations to weddings. Sometimes they will say black tie for dress code. You have to go buy a dress or a suit. Or you have to see if the one that you have still fits. You have to do a little legwork. I officiated a wedding that I had to buy a plane ticket, a hotel room, a rental car, take time off work, and fly and do the will of the Lord and go to Hawaii. But sometimes invitations have a cost to them. Sometimes invitations have more than just check yes or no, I'm coming or I'm not coming, and this is how many people I'm bringing. An invitation has action to it. You know that. But this is an invitation from the Lord. It's not just enough to go, got it. A response is necessary. A response is required. There might actually be intentional things that we need to do to respond. And God is saying, this is the year to come in to an ascended lifestyle. How do we do this? Clean hands and a pure heart. Um, Psalms 15, if you could show that. This is, this is more of that same, um, how do we go? How do we get there? How do we enter in? Who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Speaks the truth in his heart sounds like congruence to me. Keep going. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. This sounds like congruence to me because we would not do things that violate the culture of the kingdom. We would not do things that violate the culture of heaven because we are in oneness. So we're not going to do these things. We don't even have to try not to. Like, I just want you to hear that. You don't even have to try hard not to do this because you wouldn't do this because it's not congruent to the life that God has given you. Okay? Keep going. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money as usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be moved. This is, again, more of the same thing. We would never do these things because it's not in alignment 
with who God made us to be. It's not in alignment with who he is. Clean hands and a pure heart, this is just some of it. Walks uprightly, walks in righteousness. Of course we do. Because this is who you are. This is who God has made you to be. Okay, we're going to go back to Psalms 24, the second part. Oh, also clean hands are referenced in Job 17, 9. Um, And Job is a guy who wrestled with some hard stuff, right? We know that. Thank you. Yet the righteous who will hold to his way and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. The righteous will hold to his way, not just our way, his way, God's way. This is how we do it. We're in congruence with God. And he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. You grow in strength the more you live in unity with yourself and with the Godhead. It's not going to be a life of effort and striving to ascend the hill of the Lord. I think, you know, give us clean hands and a pure heart. That's like a song of repentance. Do you guys remember that song? Give me clean hands and a pure heart. I'm not going to lift my soul to an idol. Not going to do it. I'm going to have to try real hard not to worship idols. I want to say to you, when you are in congruence, It's not going to be an issue. It's not going to be an effort. It's not going to be a place of striving because you won't want to. You couldn't violate it. You wouldn't do it because you are one and you are in unity. You are in harmony. If you go this way, you're going to look the same. If you go that way, you're going to look the same because you are one with yourself, and with the Lord, most of all with the Lord. This is so good. This is what he wants to do in us. That's why Bobby said, let's make it fashionable in 2024 to get sozo. Let's do that. There's nothing, there's no honor. There's no, nothing to be in pride or, you know, like, there's no shame in getting free, guys. In fact, the more everyone in the room starts coming into congruence, you're just going to be like, I want that. Look at, look at what's happening. I want that in my life. It's so good. And this is how we ascend. You know, God has opened a door. we got to go through it. we got to respond to the invitation. So then the next part of Psalms 24 is he, I'm going to jump to, um, I think it starts in 7, Isabella, where he says, wake up, lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. The king of glory shall come in. Then he says, who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? He's the same guy he was before. He's strong. He's mighty. He's the Lord of hosts. 
I want to do this in um, 7 through 10 in the Passion. If you can switch that. So wake up. This is the call. This is the invitation. So wake up, you living gateways. Lift up your heads, you ageless doors of destiny. I'm looking at you this morning, you ageless doors of destiny. Ageless, young doors of destiny, born to ascend for greatness for such a time as this. Wake up, because the king of glory, he's about to come through you. Wake up. The king of glory wants to come in to you. He wants to go inside. That was my searchlight. He's doing a little MRI. He's going through. He's scanning. He's scanning. He's scanning. He's saying, not in congruence. Not in congruence. He's bringing things into balance as we allow him in. Wake up. Respond to the invite. Don't just check RSVP, yes, but position yourself. Buy the ticket. Get the outfit. Get ready. Do what you got to do. Make sure on your calendar it is marked out. You don't have a duplicate. You didn't double book yourself. This is an invitation that we want to be here for because the king of glory, he's about to come through you. Keep going. You ask. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord. He's armed and he's ready for battle. He's ready to go after those things that are invaders, that are enemies, that are oppositional to you stepping into those doors of destiny, for you stepping in, being an ascended one. He's ready to wage war on your behalf. You don't have to go and pick up the sword and start hacking all the things off. He's going to do it. The invitation is, come in. But, like, that's how you respond to it. Come in, king of glory. He's invincible in every way. Come on. So wake up, you living gateways, and rejoice. Fling wide, you ageless doors of destiny. Can you just, in your spirit eyes, like, just look inside of yourself for a second and see your spirit just flinging wide? To the king of glory. Because he's ready to come in. Here he comes. It's not a distant hope. It's not a far off fantasy. It's right now. It's right now. The new wine's never stopped pouring out. The Holy Ghost has never stopped pouring out since Acts 2. He's still doing it. He's still, this, this is an ancient promise that has been ready for action since the day it was launched. It's not a faraway prophetic hope. It's now. It's right now. He wants to bring us into congruence in every way. Lord, I'm so ready for this. Come in. Fling wide. I'm just speaking to my spirit. Emily, your spirit, fling wide. Open up. The king of glory is coming in. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord of victory. He's not going to get defeated, guys. He's victorious. The thing, the battle that's been on the inside, victory is the Lord's. You don't have to be afraid 
of his coming in. He is the Lord of victory, armed and ready for battle, the mighty one, the invincible commander of heaven's host. This is like a like WWF. The invincible commander of the heaven's host. It is Jesus. You know, this is not the rock. This is not, you know, what's the guy with the blonde hair, Hulk Hogan. It's not that. It's the invincible commander of the heaven's host. It is the Lord of hosts, armed and ready for battle. Who is he? What's his name? His name is Jesus. He's amazing. He's ready to come in. It's Jesus. I'm Okay, thank you, Kim and Holly. Yes, we're here. We're ready for the big rumble of our soul. The Spirit is waging war on your behalf. It's only good if you let him come in. It's, it's weird if it's just me on a stage doing that. It's totally true. Please, Jordan, if you're watching this, do not make this a clip for the interwebs. <laughs> How embarrassing. But guess what? If he does it, it's a major win. I will be more undignified than this. Friends, don't you want it? It's ours. We don't even have to long for it. It belongs to you, the victorious one, ready for battle, ready to wage war on your behalf, wants to come in and have at it. Let him respond. Check yes. There might be some wild things that happen in 2024. It might be all, you know, flowers and springtime. I don't think it is. We need this alignment. We need the King of Glory to come in. For us, yeah but also that we stumble out of these doors and they go, who are these people that have come to turn the world upside down? What is going on with them? Maybe they're drunk. Maybe they're full of the Holy Ghost, but they're speaking in languages that I've never heard them speak before, and I understand it. And the church exploded this is what we need for us, for our own families, for our own jobs, for our own workspaces, for our own places that we do life. But if you will sync up with one or two people at minimum and pour in this place of congruence that you can come into right now, it's going to explode all over the place. It's God math. This is how the church was birthed, and it's never stopped being this way. You're, you are here to be a sent one. Okay, let me see if there's anything else here. Well, there is, but we don't have time. So I'm just going to leave it at the rumble.
Don't just ask, what's the one paradigm? Just take them all, put them all on the table. You have access to all of them, God. All of them. Don't leave one space, one door shut. Fling wide the gates. You know you're the gates. You know that, right? Okay, I'm just making sure. And fling wide or lift up your heads translates to with joy, rejoice, because God's coming to you. There's no sadness here. This is a joyful thing. So why don't you stand with me? We'll say goodbye. I don't know how many times I said congruence, but I feel like I want to say it a few more times. There's, I mean, Bobby said specific things to our house, but I can't get past that first word, congruence. Chew on that today. So, Lord, we, we do. We fling wide our gates. We just say, here you are, Lord. Come in. Come in. You can have access. We've been waiting our whole lives, Lord, to be living in oneness with you, in unity within ourselves and with, with you, God. So come in, King of glory. You have permission. We hear your invitation to ascend, and we say yes. We respond to you. Lord, we don't want to just forget to respond because that means no. We want to be people who say yes, who live in a covenant of yes with you, God, and are surrendered. And when we hear your voice, we obey in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord. And I thank you, God, that you've already done it. Help us in our awareness and our receptivity to your doing, what you're doing in us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon. If you would like to be a part of seeing people encounter God, experience transformation, and be equipped to advance the kingdom, you have the opportunity to partner with us through giving at jesuspursuit.org forward slash give. Together, we can make Jesus famous in Albany, the Northwest, and the nations. We hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.